familial n'a pas révélé euh, tous ses secrets. Harvey Engelberg, fils d'un ancien combattant canadien de la Seconde Guerre mondiale, était aujourd'hui en Normandie. That's a French television network show about Harvey Engelberg from Montreal, who is being interviewed about the incredible journey he's just taken to Normandy to trace his father's last mission on D-Day and to find the exact spot where his father's burning plane went down on a French cattle farm where the owners risk their lives to save him. Engelberg has now visited the farm's current owners and received a surprise gift, 42 pieces of the plane. The reunion brings closure to both families, who bonded over an old gesture of kindness and bravery of strangers to a young Jewish airman who nearly died trying to liberate France during the Second World War. It's a rare feel-good story. It's completely honest. And I have to say pretty rare. Not too many people actually get to meet the exact location, exact area where this tragedy happened. And yet from that tragedy, we're a family of three children, seven grandchildren, 15 great-grandchildren. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, April the 11th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. A few weeks ago, out of the blue, Harvey Engelberg received a letter from a farmer in northern France. She was looking for information about a Second World War plane that had crashed onto her fields on D-Day. Harvey couldn't believe it. It was his father's plane. Cobby Engelberg was serving with the RCAF as a wireless operator. He and two pilots and a navigator had taken off on the night of D-Day with a load of 22 British paratroopers. It was a key mission to drop the men behind German lines so they could destroy important bridges and keep the Nazis away from the beaches where, hours later, tens of thousands of Canadians and British soldiers would make a surprise landing and turn the tide of the war. But Engelberg's plane was hit by flak and was on fire. So the pilot told everyone to bail out, and they all did except for Engelberg, who was unconscious. The pilot stayed at the controls and tried to land. The pilot was killed, Engelberg lived, but he had a cracked skull, and he didn't wake up. The farmers in the nearby house took him in and hid him for nearly a week until a passing Allied patrol found him. He woke up two weeks later in England, and for him the war was over. Meanwhile, the Nazis arrested the French rescuers and shot one of their sons as punishment. Coming up, Harvey Engelberg will be here to tell us what meeting the French family has meant and why he plans to donate the pieces of the plane to the Canadian Juno Beach Centre nearby. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Melina Shine in Vernon, British Columbia, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. The Trudeau government is putting nearly $70 million in the new budget for the Jewish community, including money to build Holocaust museums in Montreal and Toronto, and a community centre in Vancouver. About $5 million of the money will help pay for the work of Professor Erwin Kotler, Canada's special envoy on Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism. One other line in Thursday's budget speech is that the Liberals will make Holocaust denial illegal in the criminal code. Now, you might remember we reported earlier this year there was a private member's bill from a Conservative MP that would have addressed this issue, and some critics had been wondering why it came from somebody in the opposition and not from the Trudeau government itself. Now the Liberals say theirs will take precedence. So far, as far as we know, there isn't anything in the budget about what penalties could be levied on people who deny the Holocaust happened to Jews. And joining me now is Harvey Engelberg. He's at the Juno Beach Center Museum in Courcey-sur-Mer, France. Harvey, tell us where you are, when you got there. What have you? Why did you come? 
my dad was in a World War II veteran. And on D-Day, uh, they were going to, uh, on Operation Tonga, drop Zone K, all these things I've learned while I've been here. And the plane got shot up pretty badly. It was completely engulfed in flames. And the 22 paratroopers and the four crew members uh, were told to bail by the pilot. And the pilot mentioned everybody out of the plane till he realized my dad, Kabi Engelberg, was actually lying on the floor of the plane unconscious from the flak they took. So Harvey, the pilot, who was all of 26 years old, decided uh, to try to crash land rather than take his parachute and jump out. Uh, next thing you know, the plane goes down in a farm in Bassinville. Uh, my father wakes up 10 days later in England and says, uh, what, when hap what happened? He had no idea, had a fractured skull, amnesia, concussion, 10 days, not a clue. They told him you were saved by some local farmers. Uh, the family was de Amel. They uh, took care of my father a couple days till the allies could take him out. Uh, two years after the crash, my father was just recently okay to leave the hospital and was more or less better after two years of injuries. And he wrote a letter to Madame de Amel in Bassinville and said, how do I thank you? You saved my life. I mean, I don't know. I have the original letter, which I just gave to the museum here. And she wrote back. Uh, we, it was our pleasure. We helped all the allies all we could, all the different forces. We had them in our farmhouse. The day after you were picked up and evacuated, the Nazis came and they made us prisoners. And as a punishment, they killed my 16-year-old son. So for the next few years, I was looking around to see what I could find about this De Amel family. I didn't find much. And then a month ago, I got a letter from France, from Madame Ferret. And in her letter, she says, uh, I own a farm in Bassinville, and then my head just exploded. And uh, I think you may be related, or you might know this Kabi Engelberg. And I wrote back saying, yes. And she says, well, we found bits of the plane crash on our property. Would you like them? And then I said, it just so happened I was traveling to Israel at the time. I changed my ticket, and I went from Israel right here to France. And I went to visit her and her family. We, it was televised on local French TV. Uh, they took me to the site. Uh, we actually did a prayer. Uh, she did a prayer for her family over the site in French. I tr tried to say the Kaddish best I could because I was pretty sentimental and emotional. And uh, we just donated the airplane parts now to the museum here. And I guess that's most of the story. I'm sure I'll remember more bits later, but it's been a, a pretty, pretty happy roller coaster here. Wow, that's a lot to take in. So let's take a few steps back and unpack it a little bit. Tell us a bit about your, your dad. His parents were born in Montreal. He lived on Esplanade Avenue. He was born in 1920. I think he enlist, enlisted in 41. He volunteered and he spent a lot of time training with Harvey Jones pilot. And in 44, I guess his career was over once he was in his second plane crash. So where, where did he get? Yeah, his, from what I read, you might know more about this. He had his first, they called it a crack up. Uh, it might have been during training. They were all I know is in Iceland, in the water for two hours. My dad never talked about the war either way, but that wasn't on the Internet as much as this. Uh, this so I was able to research the, the D-Day crash much better. You said he never talked to you about it. Did he did he? leave any clues behind uh, about his his experience nothing talked about but the letters i have from madame du amel and the letter he kept that he wrote to her plus i have all the letters from the government of canada saying missing in action there were articles in the newspapers but it certainly wasn't something he ever ever talked about one of his friends wrote 
in his journal, this is Bill Zelikovitz, who was a transport command radio operator as well from uh, Ottawa, that uh, your father was never the same, the same after the war. What does that look like to you? Uh, I would have said that he, before the war, little history, when he was 17 and 18, he was a, a Golden Gloves boxing champion. He was in top shape. He was diving, not competitively, but he was always at the pool. And to have gone through two crashes, two hours in the water here, brain fracture, concussion, amnesia, the man that went into the war came out of the war, I'd say 75%, I'll be honest. And he died prematurely at 58. I'm sure all that stuff is related to whatever happened. Harvey, do you get to keep any pieces? Did you want to keep at least one? No, uh, only because I think these guys will do a better job of preserving it for the future. I, I have my father's dog tags. But everything else, I'd rather a museum have it, keep it for posterity. Otherwise, it'll sit in one of our drawers. And even though it would be nice to have, this is for the world to see. This is for anybody who comes to this museum. And that's why this museum exists. I think it's too important to be selfish about and keep. Why did you want to know about this so desperately that you changed your ticket uh, out of well, the blue and, and to see where yeah, he was? Great question. And what happened was over the years, years ago, we went to Israel for one of my son's bar mitzvahs and we wanted to find this family, de Amel. This was 30 years ago, 92. And they couldn't find a trace of the family. We wanted to thank them for what they did and show them our family and say, here, look, look what your father, dad, brothers, whatever did for us. However, didn't happen. We couldn't find them. But I got the letter March 7 and I said, oh my gosh, this is the real thing. I contacted her. We went back and forth. She has been doing research on the crash site because it's her farm. And then when she said she had pieces of the plane, I said, can I come visit you? She says, I'll give you the pieces of the plane. And I said, I have to come see you and thank you. And I want to see this site. I want to see what happened. I'm trying to imagine a 24-year-old who doesn't remember himself because he woke up in England, what they went through in this field. And I went there and I, uh, it, was flab it was just bizarre. It was really, really, really something. Brave, this brave woman and the people before her who lived there, the DMLs, what they did during the war, unsung heroes as always, just like Harvey Jones didn't even get a medal. By the way, Cobby Engelberg swore that if he ever had a son, he would name him after the pilot who saved him. Harvey Jones came from Welland, Ontario. So Harvey Engelberg carries that name proudly and thinks the pilot should have been awarded the Victoria Cross for bravery. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Dr. Philip Berger, who wrote in to us about an Emma Cunningham story that we did when she quit the Ontario NDP because they were running a candidate who supported naming a street in Ajax, Ontario, after a Nazi ship captain. And we'll end the episode with a clip of something I suggest that you should watch. Remember when we covered the story of the late Faye Shulman? She was a Holocaust survivor who was a partisan and also a photographer. Now, CBC Gem has a new short film about her called The Photographer. The link is in our show notes. She never forgot the murders. And she would cry herself to sleep every night. Almost till her death. She was always committed to telling the story of the Holocaust. She spoke at a number of campuses across North America, and she met at the Israeli parliament in Jerusalem. She would speak in schools, in synagogues, in churches, various congregations of various faiths. 
In many cases, these photos document a time and an experience that there exists no other evidence of at this point in history.